Okay. You're listening to, to the Unreasonable Fridays, Fridays right? podcast uh-huh. network. I mean, there's always a point, but yes. it always also relates to One Piece. Right. Yeah, um, yeah you're here for one, it. Like, One Piece is experiencing, like, a revitalization in the West, which nobody saw coming. I don't um, know how. That, neither do I. I. If anything, I thought I, I thought One Piece would have picked up at, like, the height of the pandemic. Not when we're trying to pretend like it's over. But now people are like, hey, we're outside. Let's go talk about One Piece. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Anyways. So they're talking with Oda. Um, it's at one of the. It's not Jump Festival. It's um. It's another. It was a Shonen Jump event. I can't remember which one it was, or maybe it was just they were just talking to him about something. And he brought up one of his earlier inspirations and like one of his mentors and someone that really helped him flesh out his ideas. He talked about work he did designing a character for a manga, uh, and that character's name was Honjo Honjo Kamatari. And Honjo Kamatari was a cross-dressing man, identifies as male, dresses as a woman, um, and he is an antagonist who's in love with the main antagonist. And his whole thing is, the government won't let me be free as I am. This man appreciates me for who I am, and I love him for that. Outside of two cringy jokes, his cross-dressing is never played for laughs. It's played as a rebuke of the, the current power structure and how they have driven a seemingly pure child full of love to being a cold-blooded killer because they would not accept him. His character arc concludes with him becoming a spy for the, for the government as a cross-dresser, and he gets to be himself freely and fully. Um, like it, It's a very like full-circle thing, and you can see that that's where Oda got the idea for, or he was like toying with his idea for Cross-Dresser Kingdom, which is, in one piece, the kingdom of cross-dressers and trans, and, uh, trans folks who have rejected the government's natural order because the government won't let them be free, and this is how they experience freedom. They reject the, gen- they reject the gender roles enforced by society to be themselves and be free again on paper that is a that is fucking next level brilliant writing um unfortunately he peppers it full of transphobic jokes luckily he's gotten out of that phase without actually admitting it you can tell by the trans characters he's introduced later on that he realizes that that was terrible maybe the Uh, the maybe i shouldn't have done that let's actually make them into you know actual characters people right real even when he reintroduces the kingdom, they're still they still have like his art style, but you can tell he handles them with so much more care. He's not being a dick. Yes. Um I hate that. And, I can see it in the art style. In the art style, I'm just like, you motherfucker. Right. Um, but that character that he designed was for Roroni Kenshin. Mm. And Kenshin's creator was one of Oda's mentors. If nope, if 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 the name Nobuhiro Watsuki doesn't sound familiar to you, uh, I will remind you. In 2017, he was arrested for possession of child pornography, um, and not just and not just a little child pornography. No, I remember it was it was it, a whole it, thing. 
he had a lot of child pornography. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like the way they handle child pornography, if you get arrested for it, like you have like a whole fucking server. Yeah, so he he got busted you know. with with a lot of child pornography. Shonen Jump, they were planning a Kenshin revival. They were planning a Kenshin remaster. They put all of that on hold until 2023, when it's actually coming out this year. Uh, but they said we cannot platform this person. We cannot give this. We we can't. We the block is too hot. Even if it's just naked capitalism, they said we cannot platform this person if for no other reason than the block is hot. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't be doing that. Mm-hmm. When the news broke, I can only speak about here and like my group of friends. Like when that news broke, Baroni Kenshin is a series for teenage boys specifically. It do be a shonen. Right, that, that's the viewpoint I'm going to talk about it from. If you look at the core themes of Kenshin, Kenshin only finds peace when he embraces love. When he rejects the air quote badass killer persona that everybody attaches to and fully gives in to love, that's when he becomes like that's when he wins. Like that that's when he becomes a fully realized character. That's when he beats Shishio when he realizes I have something to live for, I have something to love for. I don't have to be this edge lord. I could be a person who loves. I can have family, I can have friends. I can love. And like for teenage boys specifically, that is a super important lesson. That is a super affirming lesson. Even the way Kenshin handles its female and female presenting characters, they are given a lot of agency to do stuff. Karu's one moment of wham wham being a damsel, she's immediately called out by literally every other woman in the cast saying, what are you doing? Stop being a crybaby. Go get your man. And it culminates with her taking down one of the 10 strongest swordsmen in the world. Like, Kenshin for like for kids of that age was super affirming i don't want to say it's as affirming as sailor moon but it's up there in terms of like the themes of of, like the themes and like learning to accept yourself love yourself and learning that it's okay to rely on others like when it comes to like veroni kenshin Kenshin is what people like to say dragon ball z was for them but it was really retention yeah like it was super important, super affirming. And when news broke that the creator was busted with, was t- was arrested for child pornography, it was a swift, okay, cool, so we don't fuck with Kenshin anymore. Like, the ability to divorce themselves from something that had such a formative experience on them because of the harm that that person caused, they understood because the themes Kenshin would have quit, like, Kenshin Himura would have quit reading Roroni Kenshin if Watsuki had been caught, like, if, if this was something like the actual character Kenshin Himura, if he was in our world, he would have stopped reading Roroni Kenshin because of this news. And I think that's what helped a lot of people say, cool, this thing that was a huge forward part of my childhood, I can let go because the person that made it is a terrible human being. I see the segue. There's nothing wrong with that. That's only segue of the month for Black History Month. Segue of the month, Justin Jones. Let's go. Very very well done. Very well done. 
I was actually proud of like, and like when you brought up all seven wins, I was like, okay, I can tie all of this together. I can tie all of that together. Because John Stockton and J.K. Rowling are the same person. Y'all. Yeah. They are the exact same person. Damn, my guy went there. It's not even wrong. And the M- even the NBA had enough sense, even if it's self-preservation, not even being a, a moral, not, it wasn't a moral stand. It was a self-preservation stand. We can't platform you. You specifically, we cannot platform. But WB continually platforms J.K. Rowling in spite of everything. Because I guess their popular license is just too valuable. Even though... I don't even get it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I really don't. So, that, that's, that's the other thing. All of my Harry Potter knowledge is from pop culture osmosis. The premise of the books never appealed to me. Like, I never read the books in school. Like, when everyone was reading Harry Potter, I had fallen into Redwall. And I was like, oh, no, this is... I don't have time for it. Like, so, at that time, I was reading Redwall. I had just gotten into Walter Mosley. Um, my, my library was full. So I didn't, I like, I like literally yeah. didn't have the bandwidth for Harry Potter. So I, I my- can't remember who I was reading, but I was reading a lot of high fantasy done by, uh, um, older, uh, white lady authors who honestly, like, I, I was also like, I'm also like a lifelong, like Ursula Le Guin fan. Um, I think that's the right one. Uh, so I was just like, when I got to Harry Potter, I was just like, it was one of those, I'm very glad that like people, you know, I, I was very glad that people were like reading, but I got partway through the third book and I, I couldn't finish it. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. And so like, but a, a lot of my friends like when I was in high school, read Harry Potter, and as we would grow up and mature, they would credit Harry Potter, like the themes explored in Harry Potter, or at least what they took from Harry Potter, as helping them come to terms with themselves and their queerness and their transness. So that, that Harry Potter had a special place for them. And then they found out that the person that made Harry Potter hates them. Mm-hmm. I can empathize with a lot of folks who learn to love and accept themselves because of these works, not wanting to let them go because of the affirmation they got from them. My empathy stops when they try to pretend like by supporting these things, they aren't supporting a person that hates them and all of their siblings. Hmm. And that's that's where my hang-up is. People want to play the wizard game without being told that they're supporting a transphobe. Right? Like, for remove the fact that she's going to use the proceeds of this that she receives to fund anti-trans politicians and conservative politicians and white supremacist politicians in the UK. Right? Because that that royalty check she gets from WB every month is going to do that anyways. So cool. Let's take let's take away game sales from that. You're supporting the product of a person that hates someone in your life. Mm-hmm. 
actively hate someone in your life. Mm. Specifically, funds legislation to uh, completely out them from society. Yeah. Like, there's... Until someone removes that license from her hands, this is what it is. Um, okay, so going back to like all of my Harry Potter knowledge, right? It wasn't until last year that people actually started like telling me. No, it, it was in our Discord server that people actually started telling me what the book was about. Because um, last year I found a Twitter thread um, about the plot of the game. One, I saw the goblins and I'm like, wow, are these actually like this is what the goblins look like in Harry Potter? It's like they took. Uh, yeah, no, they're the literally protocols of Zion from Nazi Germany and said, here, this is our bad guy. I'm like, huh. They this literally is- took, literally took all the drawings of Jewish people, which to be honest, that's that's actually what kind of goblins like. Like, all the goblin imagery, like, WoW is also guilty of this. Like, all of the goblin imagery you see is, it's basically Jewish people. It's, it's, it's all created off of, um, uh, rate, like, anti-Semitic drawings of Jewish people that, this isn't even new when, I, I mean, like, this is, like, before America was founded. So, we've got the goblins. And the premise of the game is the goblins are claiming they're oppressed and they want to fund a revolution to end their oppression by kidnapping children. And I'm like, okay, so blood libel. By the way, I want you to know that the goblins run the banks. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So th- this, so in our Discord server, I say that. I'm like, uh, the tweet I posted was Harry Potter and the Blood Libel Prince, which had been stitches all day. And when I refound that tweet... I was laughing for another 24 hours. That's that's good. That's good. Um, And then Jeffrey says, what if I told you it gets worse? And I was like, I am morbidly intrigued. And then he told me about the Asian character whose name is Cho Chong. Mm -hmm. The black character whose name is Kingsley Shacklebolt. Mm -hmm. And then Aaron said, by the way, they have house niggas in this series. I'm like, excuse? said, yes, house elves. They're effectively house slaves. And to free your house elf is a, is a sin to the elf in question. And they don't, want nice, they don't want nice things either, and they want to be beaten. Which then made me say, this is the series that everyone is caping for? Yes. This. This is a, what you're caping for. Even, even in my youth, I had a huge problem with the house elves. In the- even in my... Uh, uh, I'm an independent, but my news corner on like black conservatism, child self was like, mm, "This is bad." Uh, in the game, I believe they uh, disappear as you approach. If you're walking around and you see them like in the open world, if you try to approach one, they disappear. They look at you and then they disappear, so you don't bother. So they don't want to yes. bother you. Yes. Phenomenal stuff. You should see how they talk. I have. You're uh, gonna be really offended. I have. I've. Um. I've actually spent some time looking at the game. Uh. Just oh. Oh no. I meant it, just the text to Justin. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I'm like th- th- this. 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 
he, and that's why he, I brought up pension in the beginning. I brought up an actual good piece of media that people had no issues letting go of. Uh, listen, you remember Jar Jar Banks? Even Dave Fioni looked at Jar Jar Banks and said, "Hey, man, I can only do so much with this character." Listen, imagine if Jar Jar Banks was a house nigger. I mean, he basically did in the first. No, movie. no, I mean, I mean, like. Oh, you mean literally? Literally. Those are the house elves. Yeah. It's bad. And also need you need to remind you that the goblins, in narratively, run the banks. Like we're not even we're not even creative here. We're not even in like creative anti-Semitism. We're in like like the last hundred, the last like literal thousand years of anti-Semitism in Europe. Yeah. We're we're even pre-Nazi shit. And these are views that JK herself has defended. Yeah, she's fine with it. She she's cozy. Cozy like the second track on Beyonce's Renaissance. Mm, love that album. Not JK. JK is like, yeah, eat rocks. But yeah, that 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 was my sound check. Uh, I guess this would be the part where you uh do the title drop. Don't really know. Really don't know where we go from here. Um, I don't. Justin wanted his own sound, his own his own uh, mic check rant. Listen, I mean, I, 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 find it, I found it adorable. I know. All right. Like, I, I, my original intention was to just come in and let the chopper spray on this trash ass because the game also was ass. The game isn't good. Like, I don't under Justin. You re- you listened to the last episode, right? So I listened to the last episode, and I have found playthroughs of the game and I'm looking at it the one thing the one thing it has going for it it has black people hair that looks like it was designed on early PS3 but it has black people hair <laughs> okay I, I'm a but you listen to the whole podcast you listen to that podcast episode the fact that people are throwing themselves in front of a bad game the game is objectively bad and it's again because I am an obsessed person and <laughs> I will not ever let anybody live this down. Mass Effect and Drop when it was dropped in 2018 makes me irate again. <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda looks better than this game. Mass Effect and Drop looks, looks better way better than this game on console, even. <laughs> uh, the other thing the menus are ripped straight from Destiny 2. Oh my god. Wait, are they really? Look at the character, like, the the pause character menu when, like, you're equipping all your stuff. That's the Destiny 2 menu. That's the Destiny 2 interface. It is. I mean, I believe you because you've put enough hours into Destiny 2. Yeah. Like, it... it, The attraction to this game is 100% nostalgia because the things that this game is being praised for these same people said Forspoken was bad. Hmm. For those reasons. 
Is it Uchiwali or is it one mic? I have eyes. Now, I will say, I think Forspoken is probably not a great game, but Forspoken is a better game than this game. Forspoken has potential and promise, and I can see where another year in the oven would have served it well. But if you're going to say that Forspoken mechanically is a bad game, and then turn around and praise a game that can be cheesed with two spells you get in the first hour of the game, I'm going to have an issue with that. I want you to know that in the game, you can also cast like the unforgivable magic. You can literally torture people in front of others, and the NPCs don't react. I thought we already had 24th video game. Like, I thought, <laughs> I thought we got all of our torture fetishization out of our like that the 24 video game exists it is such a wild piece of media that exists in this world you can also go through that game without torturing anybody i thought that was very interesting yeah you, you could also go through this game without torturing anybody but the fact that you can cast like the unforgivable dark magic of whatever and it's fine yeah like no, it's totally fine. It's just like like they go they go through such an effort apparently and be like, this is bad magic. Guess what? You can just like do a thing and none of the NPCs care. You know they care in Hitman. And I don't even fucking like Hitman like that. Well Hitman is um a designed game. Um Yeah. It's a um yeah a designed game seems the harry potter game is kind of like the is like kind of like a yada yada experience kind of a genre piece harry potter yada yada thanks for the 70 dollars i got it i mean it's not like one of the lead writers is, didn't totally run a neo-nazi website and i'm not exaggerating right i'm, I'm not i'm not exaggerating or being facetious it was a literal literal neo-nazi website he got laid off before the game was finished but they kept all of his writing because like you know we do that here yeah so hey man if if that is what you if this is a piece of media you wish to partake in just understand what it is you are supporting also just uh, understand why people just don't have to fuck with you well that's it I also still don't understand why people are still, like, I'm very glad I changed my Discord setting, but I, I'm still sitting here baffled why anybody would be like, you know who I need to talk to Harry Potter with at the game, like, to express that I'm playing it? Baking. Yeah. I'm so. Not, yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I, I'm not. I've been quietly removing people I see playing it on my uh, friends list. Just like as oh I'm yeah, scroll, no, everybody's going. As I'm like I'm seeing them because I you know Xbox has a favorite, so you only pay attention to the first twelve people that are always on, and not the extra two hundred and ninety four people that are on underneath them. So every so often I would scroll and catch someone doing it and have to have to remove them. It's not I, I just looked up whoever I just looked up the game and who's playing it. I. I'm trying to be a little. I'm trying to be diplomatic about it. I don't. If I don't see it, then I guess, sure. But I. I, I will. Admit, I freely admit. Also, also, I'll freely admit that I'm, I do I'm scroll. I'm lucky enough. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I'm. I'm lucky enough. I don't think I know anybody personally playing the game. Um, that was not sent like a review copy, 
Um, like, like, you know, the person that I know was sent the review copy. He was like, are you sure you want me to play this? Because I don't like Harry Potter. And I don't like the author. He was like, it's fine. Just, you know, just write review. And he was like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> so. All right. But I, did I like how you tried to give them an out, and they're like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, he, he was just like, yo, you should have want someone else. Like, not not even, he wasn't even, he, he didn't even say, you know, hey, you know, I'm not going to play this game. It, it, he, I'm, I'm making a protest stand. He said, yo, I don't like the I don't like the creator. I don't like the medium. I'm not going to be kind to this game. Are you sure you want me to do this? They said, yeah. So I'm going to need you to slide that name on over. Okay. That, that, that's definitely a play the music discussion. Um, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. That's a, that's a, like, slide that in my DMs. I, w- I want to yeah. know. <laughs> they did not publish his review. Um, Hilarious. He told, he, he told him what he was going to do. Anyways. No, no, um, no. I love that. But it's still funny. Yeah. It's always, it's always strange uh, how shocked people are by how other people dislike Harry Potter or jkr like the disdain still shocks people like if you really get into it that's why i say we it's an evergreen topic because i want i want it to just be consistently understood because it's it's apparently lost on some folks that the response to all this is what's wrong with you guys why are you being so serious how could you and the shock is confusing to me more than a little bit how would you not know why someone wouldn't like harry potter in 2023 one of my best friends in high school, and we stayed really close uh, even after, like, well into both of us starting our families, like, she loves Harry Potter. And then she found out that J.K. Rowling hates her and her family. And, like, that that was... Watching her divorce herself from that fandom was heartbreaking for her because she's like, yo, I learned to love myself and my family through this series. Like, I learned to embrace my own queerness because of this series. And now I find out that the person who wrote it wants me dead my favorite my favorite thing is my favorite thing about the harry potter series to be honest is that everybody took the wrong fucking lessons from that from that uh from that series because like the more i look back at it with adult eyes jk wasn't teaching any of that right it it literally any of it like kids just with their like positive like the the hopeful kids brain that should honestly say something about people and like like there might be hope out there um is because like if you like if you look go back at it looking as an adult right with adult eyes the the content that uh jk had put in those books those books aren't getting what people took from it like at all like not even a little bit like you literally have like the bleeding heart liberals as like the cla- the the group that nobody fucking likes. It's almost like that. Uh, it's the inverse of the One Piece meme, um, the meme that 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 floats around on Twitter every so often, where it's like, "Lesson you can learn from anime." My Hero Academia always give a hundred percent. The Promised Neverland never give up hope. Uh, One Piece. Wait, hold on. I have to find. It's like it's very the One Piece one's very wordy. <laughs> it's like something to the effect of, 
The world's largest military is nothing more than the enforcement mechanism of the billionaire class. They will enact genocide in order to enforce their brutal regime. The only way to, stand, the only way to fight back is to unite a working class revolution. Yeah. And I'm like, when people see that, they think it's a joke. I'm like, no, that, no, man, no, that's literally one piece. That's the fight. The only thing missing from one piece is Oda at the end of every chapter going message. Um, and then uh, haiku volleyball. Um, Yeah, no, it's amazing to me that everybody took the wrong fucking lesson from this. Yeah, they, they took the hopeful lesson. It's like, oh, no, I was actually, actually, this is a right-wing manifesto, and I'm offended that all of you bleeding hearts latched onto it. Yeah, and I, I, I think she's even, like, I think she's even made, like, allusions to that, like, in her tweets. Yeah. Um, People will be like, you taught me, you you wrote about X, Y, Z. And she's like, well, maybe you need to read it. Like, I never wrote about those things. And I'm like. I blame John Williams. He scored the absolute. He, he framed the absolute shit out of Harry Potter as a. Harry Potter without the magical seasoning on that it might feel like a different story. Like the movies, at least. Like, it's just very amusing to me, like how. Like the people who the people who like it from the movies, I'm just like I, I feel like the framing of it from young adults to the movies, like the timing of it, kind of, kind of perfect. And I think with different 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 soundscape, that maybe the proper right wingers would have gotten the right message, and we wouldn't have taken <laughs> as much from it, because it I, yeah. Remember, Gryffindors are the people who are all they their trait is just being brave, brave to stand up for your beliefs. Fuck you, J.K. <laughs> oh my God, I just made that connection. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. That's yeah, it's real gross. gross. <laughs> real gross, buddy. Oh man. Yeah. Looking back at it with adult eyes. Welcome to another episode of ADB Space. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, but with me, the actual host of ADB Space, the CEO, CFO, lead designer, head therapist, head of payroll, chief custodian, travels are. At least Bacon Bacon, how are you? Hello. I'm just waking up. Tell me you're all warmed I, up. I you're good. Up. You're good. You sound good. No, I, I woke up. I woke up at 1.20 and was checking my Discord notifications. 1.20 PST. And I was checking my Discord notifications. And one of my FC members had needed help with the thing. And Justin's like, oh, I can do the thing. But... You have to, but I have a thing at exactly one thirty, so I got X number of minutes, and I went fuck that's today. I just woke up, <laughs> and it's been a disaster since then. But I'm here. I have coffee. I may have dropped an entire glass of juice adjacent on the kitchen floor and dropped an egg, but I am here. Did you drop them like one after the other? 
It was the egg first, and then when I was walking over to the computer, my hand did a thing, and uh, it dropped my Pedialyte. Kudos. Whole glass. Kudos to you for not getting mad because of my body doesn't do what I want it to do. Sometimes I'm like, well. If I got mad, listen, if I got mad at every single time my body did a thing that uh, I didn't want it to do, I would be out of energy within like three hours. <laughs> and considering I have, a, I, have the, I have the you have to rest illness, I just don't have the energy to be mad like that. My, it's got to be worth my energy to be mad. My energy is my most pro- precious commodity now. I see it. Um, we also have a guest. Well, not our guest. Other host is here. Justin, who's here? He's a free man, by the way. He, He's a free man. No, no relation. He can do what he wants. Like he wanted to be here. Right. No relation, of course, but he's a free man, and he's here of his own volition. Justin, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm actually the one holding everyone hostage today. Uh, this recording is happening because I just had to say something, you know, uh, I, I've reached that stage of black fatherhood where it's like, I got something to say. And now everybody's just forced to listen to me. It's great. It, it's, it's one of the few male privileges that exist in this world. The only male privilege actually that exists in this world is that when I say things, People have to indulge my rants. It's literally the only male privilege that exists in this world. Only one, yeah. Yes, the literal only one. Um, the, what I actually wanted to talk about today, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! had the 25th anniversary. And... Thinking about just, like, the game, the state of the game... One thing that has shocked me, and I want to sort of like just work this through with people that I love and trust. Hello, we're here. Howdy. I see black people getting into magic now. Right? Right. Emphasis on the emphasis being the word now. Black people have always been in Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, when did that become the sprite of video games? Not video games, like the sprite of card games. Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, you know, this sprite just decided they were the black people drink, and we all just said, okay, sprite is the black people drink. Uh, I, I... Niggas are the ones who, who have taste, and we fucking hate Coke, and sprite is it. It's that lemony refreshingness. What the fuck does Coke give you? Nothing good. That's a very... Sometimes you just want the refreshing without the caffeine. That's a very good sociological question because I realize now I my first introduction to card games was Yu-Gi-Oh! And niggas claim the shit out of Yu-Gi-Oh! And right. Yu-Gi-Oh! is an anime and as an anime card game they didn't run from they didn't run from niggas. Uh, also true. Magic the Gathering is white nerd space that even though even though in like white nerd spaces, like white nerds like anime. White nerd spaces don't like card games unless it's Pokemon. That's a special um, oh. exception. Um, oh, it's a war. And, oh, war. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh is not a real card game to them, to the Magic the Gathering folks. Oh, it's Warhammer rule. Where, as a nigga, my first exposure, your first exposure to a property is like 
only racist whites before you even can find what you like about the property or the thing you're looking at. It's just like seeing the racist whites surrounded dancing in a circle. And therefore, it is racist white nerds. Like, it's not like I, I need to be very specific on the type of white racist. It's the white racist nerds. And they are fucking insufferable. There you go. That makes sense. What's worse, a white racist or a white racist with no social skills? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I find it just peculiar that, you know, we, we, we sort of latched onto that space. And, like, at first I thought it was just the bubble I was making for myself. No. Like, okay, no, it, it is just my personal bubble. It is my experiences. That's why I'm seeing all these black people in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that just happens to be what I surround myself with. And then as I expand my bubble, I'm like, no, it seems to be a near, like, you're so constant thing. And I do, so the the community is definitely one part of it. I think the other part of it is, at least in the beginning, Yu-Gi-Oh! was a lot easier to play. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Not, not, not easy in terms of, like, the rules and, like, it is a less complex game, but easier as in it's easier to get into it. It's easier to just hand somebody a deck and say, hey, this is what this deck does. This is how you play. This is how you build decks. Like, that ease of access is there, right? Like, you've got the physical card game. You've got Master Duel now, which Master Duel, in terms of accessibility, I want someone smarter than me in that space to, like, talk me through it. Because I look at it, and I see a game that has the whole library... Well, not the whole library. It's, it's it's staggered out from the physical release, which, again, money, business, I get it. You're not going to have the entire release on Master Duel because you want people to buy the physical card still. Cool. But you have a game that has all the, that has a good chunk of the cards. You have a system that is not pay to win. It is a free, it's a free to play system where you can grind out the in-game currency. You don't have to actually pay money, but the way they get you to pay money is say, hey, here's the new shiny thing. Don't you want the new shiny thing? You say, yes, I do want the new shiny thing. Here is my money. And that's how they separate you from your money. But at no point do you feel like you have to spend money to be competitive. It's super accessible. It's super, like, whatever platform, mobile, Switch, console, PC, it's there. They want you playing the thing. Magic doesn't have that. No, Magic also is at the point where, I mean, while it would be really great, they don't really need it. Magic did, does have, like, several, like, and has had, like, several, like, card games, like, on console over the years. But Magic's got some of the most obtuse rules ever. And, um, like, what you, what you can't, the card, and it's also very expensive to build up your cards. Like, very expensive. and. Yeah what you can't like if you were to do a tournament like your tournament cards what you can use and what you and uh what you can't use are it's very murky um and it's just it it is both uh it's easy and accessibility to get into but it's very difficult to get into at the same time yeah like for all the issues people have with konami as a company those issues are more along the lines of like the mechanics of the game, like the ban list for the game. 
the issues I hear people have with Wizards of the Coast, it's like, as a company, you are bad people. I'm like, oh. Wizards of the Coast is very messy, yes. As as I'm learning, uh, the more I dive into this space, um, like you said, for like cards, like it's murky what you can and can't play. Every three months, Konami puts out a band list and they make it an event. Like these are the cards that are banned. And like, it is very clear which, which cards get banned, why they're banning them. And if it's not clear, when they make the announcement, they're telling you why certain cards get hit. Yeah, they, they'll they release, like, a new, like, set, and then, like, half the cards in the set will be banned. Oh, here, Of the cards they just released. Like, just released. Like, don't even get me started when Planeswalkers drop. Like, Jesus fuck. So here's what Konami will do. Like, when a new set comes out, they won't ban anything in the new set. They'll retroactively ban other cards that will enable degeneracy for the new set. No, they will like yeah. Wizards of the Coast has literally banned like like here's the new thing, and then like a month later, it's just like half the cards in it are banned. Yeah, like uh, so for for Yu Gi Oh, um, Master Duel sprites just hit Master Duel, and preact preemptively. They hit a bunch of rank two, level two monsters that enable sprite degeneracy. The main one being totally awesome, which just this cute, innocent little toad. They banned it before sprite came and said, no, we've seen what you guys do in the physical card game with this. We're just going to ban this now. Nope. Don't even pretend like you don't know why we're doing this. You know why. And everyone just looked at the list. It's like, yeah, understandable. I get it. Yeah, I, I understand why you're banning this. My boy had to suffer for the sins of this new hotness that you're trying to push. I get it. Yeah, it's it has always been fascinating to me to see just the attachment that we have to it. And again, I, I like you said, the communities matter. I think the ease of access matters. Yeah, I think it's extremely easy to get into. Like even the physical cards, while they can be expensive. Hold on, let me see, because I know Ash Blossom is probably the most expensive. I guess that's because I thought they weren't reprinting. All right, let me just do a, what is the most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh card that's like that you need to be competitive? Okay, so you're probably dropping for certain cards like $50, $60 for like a, if you want a physical card for your deck building list. Mm-hmm. Let's go to magic. Welcome to the weeds, my guy. Yeah, like I, because again, this this is fascinating to me. Oh my gosh, you can pay upwards of a thousand a thousand dollars for certain cards that are competitive staples in a magic deck. Jesus Christ! Yes. Why? Yeah, it's uh. Why? It is uh, not a great game. I mean, I mean the game's fine, but like, like if you're trying to play competitively, it is wildly inaccessible. And um, uh, like like I said, like it's it's got the it's got the it's got the white racist nerds. 
and those white racist nerds are not welcoming are both one not welcoming the new players and they ain't welcoming the negroes did not even think about it uh Yu-Gi-Oh has been such a part of my childhood that i didn't even pay any mind to magic the gathering until well into my teens like 16 I, I can also tell you i can also tell you until like magic the gathering has like gotten because magic gathering's gotten better over the years because one people have grown up and two it's becoming uh being a white racist is not as socially accessible uh acceptable um don't be a prick um <laughs> also wizards is desperate for all this new money they they need the money yeah. um god they need the money uh but like um you know a lot of like Oh, a lot of the, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering folks, they don't, they didn't look kindly on uh, anime card name, card game number 587. Yeah. They, like, yeah. like as a community, like, they don't look kindly on the um, them card games. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, like, I specifically know a lot of people who left the Magic the Gathering community specific, who used to play competitively. Um, and then went to anime card games because anime card games were friendlier communities. Yeah. And then, um, because the attachment black people have to anime also helped. It also helps that they had like Egyptians in the anime, but they weren't your typical Egyptians. They were actually like dark skinned Egyptians. Mm -hmm. For once. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, uh, listen, listen, Yu-Gi-Oh! is ripe to pull some hoteps in. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> it's just ripe for hotep for hoteps. It's, it is like, it's perfect. Right down to the narrative, let's go. Hold on. Let me show you one of my favorite characters from the second series. Axel Brody. Oh my god. Yes, hold on. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. I, th I think this is like, I was always a fan. Then this nigga showed up. I was like, oh yeah, no, y'all got me. I'm here. That like, mother... look at this actually designed black person. Yu-Gi-Oh! also had actually designed black people. Like, no, there is no Mr. Popo over here. There is no, oh God, who was that from the Red Ribbon Army? That bald head with the actual clown lips. I, di I didn't forget. I, I didn't forget. My brain has a tendency to, like, erase those people so I just don't get mad part of that energy conservation system you've employed and part of the energy conservation system it's just like oh here's the thing that's gonna make me extremely irate purge yeah. <laughs> and like his deck isn't anything uh, stereotypically black themed his deck is I have volcano monsters that literally burn you to death Volcano monsters are important. Like they could have gone the lightning route. I thought they'd have gone, you know, black people lightning. Nope. 
Oh my god, the Black People Lightning is something that I didn't. It, it was one of those things where like somebody mentioned it on Twitter, and I went no, and then I thought about it, and I was like no, <laughs> so true. Angie, <laughs> why can't help themselves? Uh, why is it always lightning? <laughs> Look, like wh- the worst part is, for the most part, the characters are intriguing enough that you don't notice it until someone points it out to you. No, you don't. <laughs> like Static Shock, Black Lightning. Um, my my favorite. I have a look. My, my, in our, uh, yeah, go on, go on. Look it, look it up. Um, my favorite element in most things is uh, lightning to use. So thunder. So me again. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> so Naruto, the whole tribe of black, the whole village of black people, all lightning-based chakra. Yoichi and Bleach, her ultimate attack is lightning-based. Storm has all of the elements, but what is the one we primarily see her use? Yes, lightning. Lightning. She has the lightning earrings sometimes. <laughs> uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Couldn't resist giving him electric-based powers, too. <laughs> oh, my God, his powers are electric-based. He's got the Venom Shock. <laughs> Uh, they made Electro Black. That counts. All right, the show's over. They did make Electro Black. We're going to wrap up the show now. That's enough. No. Yeah, the show's gone off the rails. and um, We don't have rails. Yeah, we do now. I refuse to have my entire enjoyment of Lightning. Um, second guess <laughs> in any capacity. Every every character I've listed is not a bad character. They're all yeah, really they're good characters. Good characters, though. Uh, Crimson Viper from Street Fighter, my Street Fighter people. Uh, in fact, you guys can continue this conversation. I'm just gonna call the police. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bumblebee from Teen Titans. Her little stingers are lightning based. I forgot her stingers are lightning based. Uh. Oh yeah, Black Aqualad has lightning powers. That's <laughs> Black Aqualad. Yeah. Oh. Well, because uh, Calderon is Aqualad, Garth is Aqua Boy. There's there's some way to distinguish between the two of them. I forget how, but because there's like because it's like Robin. There's like a bunch of Robins, but only like one real Robin. Like Dick Grayson is Robin. Dick Grayson is Robin, yeah. Right. Even though like even though he's been Nightwing for most of our lives. You say Robin, most people are gonna think Dick Grayson. No, not me. I'm the only one. I'm like that nigga specifically did not want to be Robin, does not want to be Robin, and I will respect him for that because I don't want him to be Robin. I need him to get his shit together. And he can only get his shit together as uh, Nightwing somehow. Uh, if we're wrapping up, if we're talking about Robin, my we're, favorite we're not, Robin, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not wrapping up. It's fine. You, it's, it's no, no, he's joking. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to call the police. The, however long it takes for these police to uh, show up. No one's been shot. So we have about three hours. Please continue. Uh, my favorite Robin moment of all the Robins. 
Damian Wayne is being a little shit. And Tim Drake has finally just had enough of this child talking to him crazy. And he beats the ever-loving shit out of Damien. <laughs> and Jason Todd is just watching. He's like, hey, you should have been talking shit. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like all the Robins are in a room just like, being no. like. The, I know Jason Todd is in the scene because there's like a panel to him. We just sort of shrug like, hey, you, you had that one coming. Tim, Tim told you. Tim warned you. And Tim just finally had enough. Said, no, I'm not going to let this child talk. You, Jason, can talk to me like that. Dick can talk to me like that. You can't talk to me like that. Nuh-uh. Funny no. enough, funny enough, no. um, Jason Todd uh, chokeslammed Damian Wayne at some point as well. Oh yeah, for talking, for talking, uh, for talking crazy, and uh, he just literally picked him up and dropped him <laughs> to the ground. He picked him up and dropped him so he can understand his place is important. All of the Robins at some point have faded Damian because Damian just, I'm the son of Bruce Wayne. I can do what I want. It's funny. Uh, now, officially, Damian Wayne has existed long enough. I think he's been Robin as long as I understand Dick Grayson. And in fact, because there are so many other Robins yeah. when I was growing up, he's now officially been Robin longer than like in one straight line. Because usually Dick Grayson became Nightwing and Tim Drake wasn't there. And then Jason Todd became Red Hood. Damian Wayne is the longest tenured Robin or approaching it in my life. In our lives. Is Damian Wayne isn't Damian Wayne like the most well adjusted at this point? No. He's a... At this point, Tim's number one. Oh yes. yeah, I, for, I always forget Tim because Tim, Tim's chill. Yeah. Uh Dick I mean Dick Dick's well adjusted, he's just a man whore. No, no, no. Dick is a okay. Dick is a fucking mess. You don't have you, Sorry, what I mean at this point, I meant including all of their time as Robin. Oh, okay. So, I'm like, like from the time of Robin until now, like, the because the Robins go through shit because Bruce Wayne can't be a father. Um, He's more of a battle dad and all that entails, but please continue. I mean, he's he's something, but he's fucking up these kids' lives and just also giving them money. Like, this man is a problem, but like, who out of the Robins, who has had the most well-adjusted time as Robin? Uh, I know that's asking a lot because they've all gone through it. Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson has taken the most out of his trauma and become um, a Wolverine-like beloved figure among most superheroes in the DC universe. So, um, uh, like, Tim Drake is not as present as Dick Grayson. Um, Jason Todd is still Jason Todd. And Damian Wayne is a little shit who would have been killed several times over if Bruce wasn't his dad. And um, yeah, so Dick Grayson has well, leveraged. Well, he probably would have had a lot of those issues if Bruce wasn't his, his, wasn't his dad. Uh, yeah, it would be Dick Grayson. He's uh, leveraged being raised by Bruce Wayne into a reasonable superhero existence. He's now. He had to leave. Yeah, to do so. Listen, that, that whole that whole that whole earlier time of him as Nightwing was so full of fucking angst. Jason Todd is still Jason Todd, and he has been in perpetuity. Like I mean, Dick Grayson has leveled out. Jason Todd comparatively has not. So that's what I mean. It's like no one is going to get through Battle Dad being raised by Battle Dad unscathed. 
but you, you have know to turn who came it. Out okay, Barbara. Who? Barbara. Mentally. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I specifically meant mentally. I'm not talking. Oh. For everything, well, that, all the shit that happened to Barbara, Barbara came out okay. More okay than some of the others. Well, that's still Commissioner Gordon's will, kid. If that was Batman's kid, same problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. If that was Batman's if that, kid. If, if she was one of Batman's kids, then yes. I do appreciate uh, Gotham Knights the game having like the most chill interpretation of Jason Todd ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's actually a chill person who will listen to advice and actually let people call him out. He's like, yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Yeah, he's really trying to process all that. In the game itself, it seems like he's trying to sort himself out as best. But then again, I think, I think that's the cast. Uh, you know what's funny is I almost think that cast would have benefited from having Damian Wayne as one of the kids because um, they're all... How do I put it? It's a strange game where they try to cover more emotions than those four people have. And they have to stretch the interactions and how they write. So sometimes characters are a little like Jason Todd is way too chill. Dick Grayson is not at times. And it makes no sense how these characters are interacting with each other, given what we understand about them. And it's like if they want to write, if they want to throw in some seasoning, if they want to put some hot sauce on this, you put Damian Wayne in there. You can have him say pretty much whatever you want. (laughs) whatever inflammatory thing you want to have him say you can have him say it safely and believably (laughs) and uh yeah just a thought yeah uh i don't i don't have i talked about gotham knights on this show yet i like gotham knights it's a fine game um yes it it, it, you know it's a solid solid seven no we did talk about it because i said um don't get it at full price catch it when it's on sale yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. But it's been a minute, uh, and we old. Let's go. Yeah, no, it's just, it, it's a solid game. Um, I was actually playing with my brother, and because he got Marvel Avengers, I never played Marvel Avengers. I just watched him play, and he said, "This is the game Marvel Avengers should have been." Too bad Marvel Avengers is garbage. Yeah. <sighs> and I'm like, huh? Unadulterated can... garbage. It's got a good single player. I'm like, though, I can. Then go on, please. Yeah, well, like, the the way that Gotham Knights handles its multiplayer, that's how he said Marvel Avengers should have handled its multiplayer. Like, instead of doing the, the Destiny route of these are your strikes, you play these strikes to grind out for loot, here's this open world, crimes are happening in this open world, we have a persisting story, you can do those story missions, but here's also an open world to explore and solve crimes in. Crime box. Yes, crime yes. box. Yeah. It is not as polished as the Arkham Crime Box, but that is okay. I think people wanted a successor to... They wanted, like, the next Arkham game, but this is not the next Arkham game. Yes, that is what happened to me. I um, realized that my opinion of the game is um, not applicable because I really would like to play another Arkham game. Um, And this isn't it to such a degree that I'm like, oh, they weren't even really trying. And as a result, I did whatever this is. I don't play it. <laughs> and it's by, not. It's, by the way. Yes. Sorry. Continue. Oh no! Please continue. Your dog. I can return to this point. Oh, mine was mine was absolutely an aside. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. Go on. So I realize I always forget about the Killing Joke because of Batman Beyond. 
Batman Beyond is such a better killing joke than the killing they, joke. They rewrote it, and it's very good, and it makes more sense. <laughs> you know who else did a very good interpretation of the killing joke? Who? Do you remember the animated series, The Batman? Yeah. Yeah. The tragedy of Clayface is just the killing joke. But instead of Barbara Gordon, it's Ethan Bennett as Clayface. Oh, you're right. Right down to Clayface saying, the only difference between me and you is one bad day. Did you have a bad day, Batman? Hmm. They did that, and I'm like, this is brilliant writing for a Batman show aimed at children. This was bloody brilliant. And, like, the whole the whole Clayface arc in The Batman is, like, starts off as a detective, Ethan Bennett, you know, trying to do the right thing, gets kidnapped by Joker. Joker tortures him for however long, turns him into Clayface, and he adopts Joker's mantra of one bad day, I'm a freak now. Then he, you know, comes out of Arkham, rehabilitated, tries to put his life back together. Black man out of prison, can't get a job because he's a felon. And I'm like, are, are, are we doing this on a children's show? Because, <laughs> like, to be clear, Batman the Animated Series is a children's show for adults. Like, that was clearly for the adults watching TV with their kids, right down to the time that that show came on. Right. The Batman was a Saturday morning cartoon show. Mm-hmm. And they had a whole arc dedicated to the black man getting out of prison, not being able to get a job. Bruce Wayne has to get him a job as a security guard. He's like, you know, I'm grateful to Bruce, but you know, man, I, I want something more. And then he just slips back into crime because Gotham at its core is a corrupted, festering rot of a city. And you can't get ahead by doing the right thing. I'm like, yo, the, like the episode ends with him becoming Clayface and stealing the jewels and just getting away. And I'm like, this is a kid show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember it was just like, well, I, like there really wasn't. There just really wasn't a way to get ahead. There was nothing. And, I'm sitting there and Bruce watching this. Got, and Bruce has his head so far up his fucking ass that he just like can't see that like, you know what your money would actually go towards? That would actually be meaningful. That would require an entire revamp of what of what of the value of batman to like the dc universe and i don't know if we're ready for that like yeah no i've given that Listen, some thought batman needs to go so, batman needs to like actually experience therapy to be ready for that so i have an idea i've always had an idea that the problem with batman is we see too much of him if batman was an event yeah. on legend Please. like the fact is at sometimes you might need one man with several billion dollars worth of military equipment at his disposal you might need him most times you don't most times you just need bruce wayne but that's a lot of that to write a bruce wayne comic <laughs> Or to write a okay. story where Bruce... Listen, we're we're getting into some of my favorite Batman Beyond conversations. Right, it's one of the it's uh, what made the um uh, Telltale Batman games so interesting. Yes, was it was about those those games were about Bruce Wayne. They weren't about Batman. And listen, listen, uh, Terry, Terry fucking lays into Bruce about this. Oh, because you know it's one of the biggest differences between Bruce and Terry. Terry, like Terry, grew up like. Or, but with a good family. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, uh, Terry doesn't need Bruce. 
the draw for me for Batman Beyond is seeing Terry and Bruce's interaction. Like the the episode where Terry falls in love with Ten and he gets his own personal catwoman and Bruce sees it. Bruce sees it happening. Bruce is like, oh, I see exactly what's happening here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you once. You don't want to do this. What do you know, old man? Lo and behold, Catwoman goes Catwoman, and Terry just looks at Bruce. He's like, hey, man, did you ever go to think through like, hey, man, I should have listened to you. Have you ever gone through this before? Okay, I'm not going to lie, though. In Terry's defense, I don't think nobody should listen to Bruce, even if he's right. That is the one subject I would listen to Bruce Wade on. He just sort of of smiles and says, let me tell you about a woman named Selena Kyle. And like every time I see that scene, it just like, it makes my heart just grow. Okay. Okay. But also, Bruce didn't talk to nobody, so <laughs> nobody would know that Bruce went through that. <laughs> Bruce was like, Hove did that. So hopefully, you don't have to go through that. Uh, Aaron, you want me to make you upset? I'm about to make you mad. Um, Give it a go. All right, you remember the show Gotham, right? Yeah. That live remember action. how terrible that show was? Yeah, that live action, Jammy. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? You want me to fix it for you? Sure. All right. Gotham. Here's your premise for Gotham. Gotham is about Gotham City before Batman ever shows up, right? Right. My thesis, because every piece of media needs a thesis. My thesis. (laughs) What would drive a city to depend on a person in a bat suit to protect it? What? No, that, 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 that is what this show is trying to answer. We're trying to answer that question. What drives a city to become so desperate that our only that a symbol of hope is a man in a bat suit? Um, that's my premise. You're asking a better question than what's being fucking Oh, yeah, no, they don't. Oh, yeah, you've done. You did. Um, so. Go on. Season one. Season one, I focus on the police department. I focus on the police department and organized crime. And how, like, we start with a young Jim Gordon He's fresh-faced. He wants to do the right thing. And he's trying to take down this one crime boss. Just pick a crime boss. None of the big crime bosses that have, like, any meaning in the DC canon. Like, don't go for a Falcone. Right. Go for, go for like, a minor crime boss, right? And you, we're, we're tr- Jim, Jim Gordon's trying to take this guy down. And his bosses, his supervisors, they're all like, hey, man, you're trying to put you're trying to have us do actual police work. That's not really what we're about. We're just trying to get these numbers for the mayor's office. We're just trying, you know, we're just trying to keep, we're trying to keep this thing running. And we find out that, you know, the crime bosses got pulled in local politics. Like we find out that crime is connected everywhere through this one season, but Jim manages to take down the crime boss because of course, and we learned it's a hollow victory because he was just a little guy in a big pond. Falcone is the one actually controlling everything. And he's got ties with the mayor's office. He's got ties with the police office. And that's where season two picks up. Season two, we start looking at the politics of Gotham. We start looking at, you know, the mayoral race. We're going to have, like, there's a mayor's election coming up. So we're going to follow the, the candidates for mayor and how they're interacting with the police and trying to use crime. They're both trying to say, like, you know, we're tough on crime. And that's how they're trying to get elected. All the while, you're still, you know, dealing with pick another mystery we're trying to solve. I don't want to involve any supervillains. We're not at that point yet. Season three becomes about the press and how they're reporting on all of these things. Wait, you're doing this like The Wire. Listen, we, nigga, we ain't prepared. We are not prepared. We are not prepared 
We are not prepared for six seasons of the Gotham dissected like six seasons in fucking Baltimore. Absolutely, America is not prepared. Have you seen America? We would buckle under the weight of that series. We would buckle under five seasons where after and as a time skip, and now we understand why Batman exists. We are not. It would destroy this country. It's on wobbly ground to begin with. You can continue, but I see what you're doing, and we are. They may be in not another that, timeline, I, but not this. You one. jump to the end. Yeah, basically, you, you do the wire, but Gotham. That's exactly what you do. That's all you have to do. It's been done for you. Yeah. I have a season with Gotham Academy where we follow like a young Bruce Wayne at Gotham Academy with these group of lovable kids. We found out that one of the kids is the son of one of the crime bosses who expects that kid to just go back out on those corners. Yep. Listen, <laughs> I would watch this. Listen, not, you've not, you haven't made me mad because this stuff makes me happy. I love fixing a show. Nothing makes me happier than a premise fixed immediately. I didn't like Gotham. The obsession over the villains, it was just a lot of teasing. It was very silly. It got caught up. It it was it became masturbatory really weirdly, really quickly. Gotham City is a fascinating place. We don't need villains and we don't need Batman. It's a fascinating place to be filled with villains and need to be saved by a billionaire in a bat suit throwing everybody around. There are a lot of systemic issues I would watch. I would watch unfold. And a thing that is annoying me, one of the more annoying things since you bring it up, you know the Joker movie, the ones that the whites like? Which one? Oh, the one that uh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix. they're making a sequel to yeah. with uh, Lady oh. Gaga. Yeah, so, um, have you guys seen I'm it? I'm sorry, they're making a sequel to that trash? Yeah. With Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. So, it's a romantic comedy. Right. A musical. Right. It's going to be weird. However, they did do they did two things that work. In that movie, I'd seen it. I did two things. They did. They created a world where, um, they created a Gotham where major, major, um, worker level revolution was started by the Joker. So you would need a city where the working class people are inspired in a permanent fashion, like Gotham's on fire because of something the Joker did accidentally on behalf of the working class of Gotham City. So that that makes a city that would require Batman. And also because of something his mom said, he thinks he's, he thinks he's, him and Bruce Wayne are brothers. He thinks Thomas Wayne is his dad. He thinks Bruce is his brother. These are interesting reasons for why Batman would exist because Bruce Wayne's much younger in the Joker. So it would make sense that with 15 years apart, after watching Gotham set itself on fire because the face of the working class is now the fucking Joker. <laughs> yeah. They stumbled upon it. I don't like the movie, but at the end, I was like, they're not going to do anything with this because DCWB films, totally disorganized. They don't even realize they did it. <laughs> they don't even realize they did it. So it will never be followed up on. That's why the second movie is a musical. <laughs> and not like 15 years of Gotham inspired and shaped by the Joker well before the Batman ever came into existence. Which would be a city that requires Batman. But, again, movie's trash. You don't have to see it. They did stumble upon a thing 
which I assume like when McDonald's found out they can make food that doesn't spoil kind of like that. It's not great, but it's a thing they discovered. It does have value. It was interesting in real time. It's like, oh, that, yes, movie's not good. Don't watch it. But they did a thing. Since we're talking about things that just came to mind, we're talking about Gotham City and how it should be framed and how you create a world where Batman is necessary. Um, am I rewatching The Wire again? And that's when this crossed my mind. Yes. Um, I I should I should. Where can I watch The Wire? I've never actually seen it. HBO. Uh, someone can give you their HBO Max login before it disappears forever. Hold on. That's, we, we, yeah. We, we, yeah. Yeah. We'll work that out. We'll work that out. You should watch The Wire. I I have I have a need. Oh. Um, yeah. It. it Rewatching it again, it just con- continues to reaffirm my belief. If you like Stringer Bell as a human being, you're a, like if you like Stringer Bell as a person, not as a not as a narrative tool. You can like Stringer Bell as a narrative tool. I love Stringer Bell as a narrative tool. I think as a narrative device, he is fascinating. He, like as a character in a story, I love him. The person Stringer Bell is a terrible human being that should be chastised and like. All bad things that happen to him, I cheer when they happen to him. Um, but as a like as a literary device, he is fascinating. But if you actually like enjoy the character, like think that the character makes good points, you're a bad person. It's a good litmus test, though. Um, yes. you know how whites have lit- white white men have characters that are litmus tests for their. He is a black man litmus test. Um, you will find out. I guarantee you. Um, the great teachings of like Kevin Samuels is not far behind someone who thinks Stringer Bell is the smartest person in the room and all the time and wishes and, and would and functionally wants to be the smartest person in the rule room like Stringer Bell. It's none of this is no problematic stuff has to follow just in their day to day. So, yeah, yeah. My, fa- my favorite part is uh, Stringer trying to take his macroeconomics lessons to his drug dealer cohorts. As if it is a one-to-one translation. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that shit doesn't happen every day, though. Valid. <laughs> like, tell me, tell right. me there isn't that. There is, there is that nigga in every fucking friend group, and I'll tell you what, drug dealers absolutely have them in their group, and they're just like my guy. Right. They're just like, we're not. That's not. This isn't. Yes, that is why he is the litmus test. Because if you get if, if any any nigga any nigga truly nodding along with any nigga truly nodding along with Stringer Bell is going to be a problem in day to day, sooner or later, guaranteed. Even though I'm an audio professional, um, I don't know where we're going from this rather riveting discussion because now my mind is on the Gotham City proper wire show. And a Gotham City show that's not obsessed with um, Batman characters being introduced. Um, Gotham City became like, like Monday Night Raw, by the way. It had a wrestling problem where it really obsessed <laughs> with um, getting characters on the screen as much as possible without any, and eventually just becoming incoherent in its pursuit of getting char- getting that pop from getting a, a recognizable Batman character on screen. And definitely t- tanked the program. So, but now it's now we got my mind. Now you got my mind on it. Now I would definitely watch that program. Yeah, 
Swap McNulty and Jim Gordon. You have Gotham. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. It was so simple. I remember watching it with Eric, and we thought that when when Gotham was pitched, that's what we thought it was going to be. Um, so, uh, I watched John Bernthal as a corrupt Baltimore police officer. Oh, I'm convinced that the Academy, like the people in charge of awards have something against David Simon. Cause I just knew John Bernthal was going to get nominated for something. Yeah. Um, John Bernthal will also be an amazing commissioner Gordon. If we're doing Gotham city as like Baltimore, like if we're going all the way in because Gotham city, to be clear, it's like Chicago. They keep framing it as New York. Ain't no way. It ain't no fucking way. Um, it would need to be shaped like Chicago, but if it was shaped, if it if it had Baltimore energy in a Chicago in a Chicago landscape, that'd be a thing. I'm in. I'm in on this idea. So I'm already casting it in my head. Someone needs to continue the program. I'm off. Uh, like- uh, I mean. Uh, this is 100th episode. We need things, content, celebrations. We've done. It, no, it is 100. I, I oh my god. I asked. I don't know why people like. I asked people like, what are ideas? And I got like nothing. Nothing. Well, 100. Well, well, you, did, well, well, you didn't. Ha- not, you didn't have any ideas either. So it's. Only I have no. Why would I have ideas? I fucking never have ideas. I am 100 off the cuff kind of person. Uh, how, how Megatron of you to demand other people have ideas? <laughs> yes. I absolutely demand I Are you surrounded by incompetence bacon? I'm I mean, surrounded us, by pure uh, incompetence. It is us. So valid. Listen, um, I I I I make things, I execute things, I do not come up with the ideas for things. That is not my ministry. Well it's not okay. Hundred episodes. Y'all been doing this for a while. I've been honored enough to have been invited into your abode to share my space, to share my thoughts and ramblings in this space. And that has been very appreciated, appreciated. I try to say appreciative, but I went to say appreciated. That was awkward. Um, It's been very appreciated. And a lot of people listening to you feel the same way I do, that you give voice to a lot of things that they don't know how to articulate themselves. I don't think there's a better example of that than the last episode when you talked about, you know, Harry Potter and the the wizard game and why, you know, there is no ethical way to buy the game, right? People appreciate that you are yourselves and that we get to listen to you and watch you learn and grow. And we get to listen to you experience joy and especially in a podcasting space that is trended towards sharing the negative and accentuating the negative, having a space where people can talk about things that they love and they enjoy is super important. And that's where y'all come in. And on behalf of the people that listen to you and that have grown with you over these last four and a half years. Oh my god, every day I'm four years old. Aaron's been this is like four year number fourteen for Aaron. Year number four for me. Yeah. 
I, I, it's good because I'm happy that you said this because I just like bacon short circuiting. Direct compliment, direct heartfelt compliments make bacon short circuit, which is a great like that's how we celebrate the hundredth episode is by short circuiting. Oh bacon. yeah, I don't do them. Well, you get you got one now, <laughs> and I'm definitely gonna clip that and just send that to you randomly because it's true. I will not listen to it. Ah, uh, you have no <laughs> choice because we have to do a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you just uh, we're not done we're gonna, i'm gonna have to figure out something something to do as um uh, just maybe well, I mean, like, like one that, or two things that that's a good spot to like cut this part off and then like for the next part would you get like erica and jeff about that part too go ahead stand up stand up stand up Welcome to another episode of ADD Space. This is the second half of episode 100. Episode 100! Part 2. Woo woo. My favorite, I like the word hundo, but it's not my music. Like, it's one of my favorite words that, like, I, I usually am very comfortable with the words that are not my music that I like, that I just can't say. Doesn't sound right coming out of my skull. Hundo is one of the things my brain fights over. My brain wants to say hundo a lot and doesn't. And it's just an, it's a it's a daily struggle with the number 100. Anywho, we have the real host of ADD Space, the CEO, CFO, lead therapist, head artist, social media lead, head of payroll and travels are at least bacon. Bacon, how are you? Hello, I'm here. I'm alive, kind of. Please pray for my brain. Thank you. What's going on? Why is your brain on fire? What happened? Uh, school is why my brain is on fire. Right. School. That, you know, big old school thing. Um, so as per usual, I am, and to be expected, a uh, very behind in all my classes and end of the quarter is the 22nd so i have been playing catch up like nobody's business yeah you gotta do a whole you gotta um, do a whole semester in 13 days quarter we're quarter so it, it's less than a semester still a lot of time to catch up yeah still a lot of a lot of schoolwork in 13 days well yeah because like so school here is like 11 weeks Mm. and semesters are usually like 13 to 15 mm. so mm. i'm much less time i'm like i'm like I'm, i have like a month and a half and i was like well yeah two months ish so i like very behind <laughs> well and um but i've just been i've been i've been trekking away and I'm definitely going to spend my spring break and I'll flare up sleeping and ra only raid logging in FF. But I am here. I'm alive. Well, fortunately, um, for those who want to support, um, we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com backslash on Fridays. All the money goes directly to Bacon. Um, if you also feel like... keeping the podcast alive. Well, that, well, so just general general maintenance. It's all... The money's in the walls. Um if you feel like bacon should be able to eat 
while um, buried under blankets, recovering from the school year. You can donate any amount of money from $1 a month to several thousand dollars at once. Remember that um, $3,000, I, $3, I will officiate your wedding, even if you're white, especially if you're white. But also, we have our guest, our special guest for episode 100 part two. Um, ah, our favorite writer, social commentator, thought leader, observer, activist, creator, game critic, author, and speaker, Jeffrey Rousseau. Sir, how are you? Welcome to the program. Hello. I'm glad to be back. Hello, my um people of over-inclusion. That would violate narrative boundaries. I'm, I'm so glad to be um. Wait, wait, wait. Is that our new term? People of over-inclusion? Because I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm good. Before I, I answer Bacon's question, um, I'm doing all right, you know. Um, just a little FYI, because it is March the 9th. It's around the time where out-of-towners come here for spring break. Now, I don't have a problem with out-of-towners here around the Miami area. The problem I have is with traffic and also... I, you know, our cops are kind of assholes. I don't know if people know that listening to this podcast, but um, you'll notice, assholes? you'll notice, right? You'll notice that um, if you see any news about policies and things that happen during South Beach during spring break down here, um, please look at the photos and pictures of the people that's often in reference to. I'm pointing to my skin because you don't see a video of this podcast just to give you a hint of what that means. So anyway, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be amongst y'all. You know, we back at it again for episode 100. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, what is this? What is this called? People of over-inclusion? People of... Uh, to quote, Yoshida talked about how over-inclusion of people of color would violate narrative boundaries. Oh. And in his answer to my follow-up, yes, this is in reference to Final Fantasy 16. Uh, that, that's why I use that, because that was quite hilarious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how many over-inclusion. So how many Negroes does it take for over-inclusion? So, um, I'm referencing Ash Parrish's um, Verge article about um, the interview with um, uh, Yoshi P regarding Final Fantasy 16. And um, I was say, didn't Ash specifically do that second interview? Yes, and um, it's it's a, I the the reason I reference it because one that's just a funny ass thing to say to someone. But also, more importantly, like, I think the piece is a really well-written piece because um, as you read it, it's the interview, but also it's rebuking what's being said because, again, the uh, developers, and again, I want to, uh, I want to note, stop, please stop attributing all, like, development decisions to one person. That's not how things work. Mm. Um, so, yes, Bacon? I, I do have an, like, you are not wrong, but I do have an addendum to this one. Specifically with Japanese work structure, and Squeenix is very huge on this, the director does have to 
agree with like does have to like stamp every fucking decision mm-hmm. so it makes some of the like some of these production games like go longer um now so like for for example for final fantasy 14 every decision that they make he has to actually approve like even narratively mm-hmm. so it does go through his desk now i don't know how much of that he has specifically because um he is the producer of 16 and isn't the director whereas with ff14 he's producing and directing but the director of ff16 is also not super great and i'm all i'm also just genuinely not a big fan of the the writer yeah. per se um, he does he does great world building great world building but he his uh lacking in the character department thank you very much for that bacon so with that said in, in the piece it's uh ashes piece uh it's a you know interview with uh yoshida uh talking about the game the the decisions that went into it and also like addressing you know any comments about there being no people of color and, and, and pretty much it, it was just like a double down of what was said in the IG, uh, following the IGN comments. And one would assume, you know, maybe that's not good for press. Um, I'm going to get into why that that is. It might not feel like a good answer, but I, I'm, I'm going to address that. But anyway, um, so in the paragraph, it reads, Yoshida talked about how over-inclusion of people of color would violate narrative boundaries and in his answer to my follow-up brought up the different peoples and cultures the development team including ff16 uh in introducing game he gave an overview of the different kingdoms and factions vying for control for um all for the all-powerful mother crystals now we're not going to retread ground that we already spoke about here bacon you can listen to our past episode where bacon like explained that a lot of the kingdoms Particularly FS16 are based on North African kingdoms and on reference um uh Mena Mena regions, which aka that just comes down to people there would look like the people you're listening to on this podcast. So the reasons why they aren't there don't hold water. You know, these are the uh the decisions that were made. So uh the reason I brought it up as well is because um it it's interesting because one would assume during a press run for your game, you would try to do your best to present it in, in this best light, and the backlash to what was said previously was not good. It, re- it still remains not good because, you know, you know, you don't have to give us a, a press release <laughs> to just mention what kind of people aren't are in and aren't are in and not within the game. But the thing about how anti-blackness works and um, the media landscape, all three of us and, I, you know, anyone who's ever been in this podcast knows, it's like a lot of things are pervasive and also things are just like, hey, it is what it is, we move on. One, this game is going to sell millions. Regardless of what anyone else is, is going to say or think, I know that it will. I'm going to see commercials of this thing on ESPN in the morning and it's going to piss me off, but it's going to sell millions, right? That's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Two, the way anti-blackness functions in media is like a show can practically have like no body of color and the main cast can still be white and like whatever the the, 
the diversity of that show falls on or whether they're like sub characters, where that'll be considered a pass and it'll move on and it'll still end up being rewarded. It'll still get rewards, it'll still be considered a great show for writing and blah, 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 blah. All these things aren't the, the way people give these passes. It's, it's not really passes, just like that's just where we're at. Like, I, I could literally, like, me myself, being, being a black man, I could literally create a game that like features nothing but like um white europeans and the only black character can literally be like a street merchant right and if that game has really good writing whatever it'll be rewarded and applauded whatever and, and granted we see this thing happening year out with a whole bunch of other games anyway i'm not saying anything that's new um and that's just how it is right um people aren't gonna make an outcry Excuse me, certain people aren't going to make an outcry about a game not having a colorful cast or what have you. It, it's just like, it's like, oh, okay, I still want to play this. And then you also have contingent of people's website. Well, it doesn't matter. This company has shown us what their games, particularly for Final Fantasy, have been like, which is funny because 10, you know, Titus, he was brown originally before Homie just got lighter and lighter in the other games he appeared in, which still makes no sense to me. Because mm-hmm. by the time that boy winds up in city, you swear you're looking at somebody else. I'm like, who are you? Right? Anyway. Uh, yeah, um, he's, he's a tanned boy. Right? He's melanated. You're right. Because you looked at his daddy. His daddy darker than me. That's not even a joke. That's like, for real, look up Jack. And then you look at my skin tone. It's like wild. But anyway. Um, the reason why I bring this up is because the thing about games, especially that we notice, unless it's like something so ab- abhorrently like racist, people are not going to be up- uh, uproar. They're not going to say like, hey, you know, this game shouldn't get, um, you know, support, whatever that, that just, that same thing doesn't really apply to, you know, to things regarding like racial depictions and and blackness you know it, it's kind of a it, it it's a it's a double standard and the thing is and what's so funny about this is like whenever people try to defend you know again trying to in, in you know infantilize developers you will see another japanese company release a game where either it'll have a really robust character creator where like people of so many different identities are able to make themselves or a game that specifically goes out of its way to include black and brown characters. I'm talking about Deca Police, for example, and a character Mikey Princeton, which by the way, sidebar, I don't know if y'all saw that post I made, that game, Deca Police, still we don't support the cops, but all the main characters literally are named after like prestigious universities. The main character is like Harvey, a uh, Harvard, Harvard Marks. Marks. Yes, Harvard yep. Marks. Harvard, right? Marks. I see them looking at the list of names here. Harvard Marks, Carl Oxford. Uh, ooh, I don't want to butcher that name. Uh, Mikey Princeton. Well, that that character, that character, they're they're named after a. Um, I looked at the. I I believe it's a prestigious. Um university in in china please don't call me on that if i'm wrong but i did look it up because i had a feeling that name looks kind of familiar but anywho and then mikey princeton the black character right hey they named him after princeton let's go right <laughs> and that 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 that's funny and by the way his character bio is so funny because you read it it is like oh it's like a nice boy it's like 
yeah, I can fight, but I'm a pacifist, and that doesn't really work when you're like a police, by the way. But but still, he's a good boy based off his bio. <laughs> they went. We are not making. They're like we are not making the black character be a violent cop. <laughs> no, <laughs> for like, once, for fucking once. <laughs> like it, it literally says like, no, he's a pacifist, and I'm like, yeah. You know what? But anyway, oh, I, 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 I'm more interested in that game because they made that decision. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw that. I'm like, okay. Because what it sounds like, like he'd much rather just talk to people before like resorting <laughs> to, you know what? But anyway. Uh, I, I, I mean, I have, I could go on rants for hours about like violent black cops and narratives. Yeah. Yeah. And it, right? it, it's always the white cop that is the, the nice one. And they're like, but look, see, black people can be. And I'm just like, you know what? We, we, we're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well is like uh, after uh, sometime after Ash wrote that, um, you know, the same thing that tends to happen with black folks in the gaming space just depending upon their job or their function or what they say which is true they become the subject of harassment and i've unfortunately seen ash receive a lot of negative um harassment in regards to writing that piece um it's really unfortunate because i think it's a great piece i i I like giving people their flowers when they write something or do something really really good um it's unfortunate that people have to um do their job and then you know motherfuckers on keyboards feel like they can talk to you any kind of way where if they were up to you face to face in public uh you wouldn't do that shit nah, you know no nah, they'd be ready to especially learn. like no black phlegm you know right. i'm sorry what i said they'd be ready to learn in person <laughs> yeah you know um I didn't, I didn't, uh, it, you know, it's a unique perspective. Thank you so much, Ash. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's what they say in real life. When you talk to racists in real life and try to teach them stuff, like in like any, oh, sorry, especially when you can whoop their ass or there are more than one of you. Oh, yeah, thank you for the new perspective. perspective. And please continue. Yeah, it's like just a, a, a black femme person doesn't deserve that. Um, nope. But yeah, that's my my opening topic. I don't know if anyone else wants to take it from here. Oh, I guess. Well, no, 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 no. I'll wait my turn. I mean, whenever you're talking, like this is a total. This is a thing that came to mind. Is um, so I'm downloading the Resident Evil Four remake. I'm about to climb into bed with another white man in mm-hmm. a terrible situation. And um, I like. I I will say the uh, the brown lady. I do not know her name. Oh yeah, I, know um, you're talking. They changed I really the- like her design. The agent was originally darker and then got lighter, and now she's just black. <laughs> so yeah, in the original okay. in the original GameCube version, she was much darker, and then in the remake, and as, as it got ported and, and ported over, it, she got lighter, and now she is just black. So, you know, it is a cool. it is a it is a dope look. But I realize um, we are approaching the bewitching hour for Resident Evil remakes when they remade Resident Evil Two. I said, all right. They said, we're going to remake the two and three. And I was like, cool. About three, four years ago. I said, well, when are they going to do about Resident Evil 5? <laughs> oh, no. And right. And I'm like, are they- we are, and Resident Evil 4 comes out next week, I believe. No, two weeks it comes out. 
So I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, Resident Evil 4. And as soon as I realized it, because they took my pre-order money and the demo came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is March 24th. And I was a gong went off in my head. And I was like, all right, we are almost through the looking glass. Will they do it at all? Is the question. As I was like, will they remake Resident Evil 5? Because they have a disdain for the story after 4 as a team. They've said so. But they've been remaking all these Resident Evils. I'm wondering if they would. It came to mind immediately. You reminded me of it, Jeffrey. And now I'm wondering if they have the audacity to actually have a Resident Evil where you don't play as Chris Redfield at all. A work they could do to actually oh. fix Resident Evil 5 in a remake. They don't have the range to do it. So. They don't have the range to do it as well as we'd like them to do it. But what could they do? So the thing is, listen. All they would have to do. There's like three things. Okay. And they're all very easy. Okay. Uh, not have spear chuckers. Whew. Not have uh the natives go ooga booga or oogly boogly. Yeah, they did. They go ooga booga. Um, they did. They they did. Like okay. It wasn't even words. And the worst part about them, like, not even using words, like, was the fact that, um, like, like, they literally, they just, they chose gibberish. Like, they didn't choose an actual language. They just chose gibberish. They sounded, they all spoke the same language that Crash Bandicoot's mask buddy spoke. And, um. Very upset about it. Right. Deeply upsetting. Very, very deeply upset and that's why i'm wondering because i'm like i don't think the and game can the, be uh, go on and like the other like the the other thing that they could do yes remove some fucking quick time events those quick time events were great they were the only way uh, listen, all right so there's a that's a that's a gameplay thing there's a social there is a social issue no no, no no right so the problem is is with sheva Sheva's quick time events were harder than Chris's yes. by a lot. Yes. So they were. Sheva was nigh unplayable yeah. because so, of so it. So the quick time events, right? Um, you're right. How do I put it? They were the only way. Now, Resident Evil Five, in terms of just pure narrative, is the greatest upset in video game history. My two characters who cannot move and shoot, they cannot run and jump. Law beat Neo from the Matrix in a protracted battle of any kind. Um, he and um, the quick time events were the only way that it looked realistically difficult to fight Wesker, aside from it being wildly racist. Those quick time events, especially Sheva's, were the only time where it felt like, oh, I'm fighting a superhuman as someone who can't move and shoot their gun at the same time. Because the rest of it, Wesker uh, just Wesker just threw like professional wrestling. There was no reason for us to succeed in Resident Evil. Out of all the games I've ever played or I've ever won, I should not have be we should not have beaten Wesker in Resident Evil 5. At all. No. So what 
I, my issue is is that I think it's racist that Shreva's quick time events are harder. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I just realized, like, they're super hard, and they did that accidental thing. But yes, they are racist. But with this being said, there are also several other problems. I'm what? What'd you say? I'm not even going to say it's accidental. Oh, sorry. And the other... Uh, Oh, no, no. The other I'm, thing no, I was gonna do, but I got distracted. But I got distracted by the quick time events. Right. Is they need to uh they need to fix their South African diamond mine. Right. So, okay. So the beginning of the game is Africa used as a backdrop for crazed Negro zombies and discarded. Then the diamond mine is used to um display crazed African loincloth wearing spear throwing folks. And then, if you remember, they disregard that entire, they disregard the entire backdrop for a base. Just a regular old umbrella base on a boat. So, like, if the game is racist, the core design of playing as the black character is racist. Sheva herself is deeply problematic as she is from the Dominican Republic and no one else is, everyone else is from Africa. Um... Which makes her accent make more, less sense. Yes, she is. She is. She is. She is. Um. She is. She. There is nothing redeeming about Resident Evil Five. That's why I'm. That's why I realized this now. It came to mind. So I'm like, you could. Every other Resident Evil has a core value that they remade. And I don't think they're going to do five. But I realize that now, I'm like, as we're actually approaching it, as it's like a question that people are now asking, like you look on like Reddit, Twitter, people are like, are you going to do five yet? And some black folks are like, are you going to do five? <laughs> and um, so it's... If they do five, they're going to have to make an announcement about how they're doing five. It would require a whole new Resident Evil game and wouldn't be a remake at all. It I mean, be, technically, it would be a complete remake with a retcon. Right. It would I'm have to be like this. it would have to be like a new Resident Evil game. Like it would have to be Resident Evil Five, but like be new and like entirely different. Of no, con- almost no connection to the original one besides Wesker's here. And uh, so, I mean, it would be like the same characters but better. Also, remember in the game where all of a sudden, like, you, uh, so you go through the diamond mine, and as you go through the diamond mine, you end up in, like, these ancient ruins that you then grave rob? Oh, yeah. You because, be- again, remember that, remember that the cause of this outbreak is actually because uh, the the black peoples uh, kept the, uh, kept the source of it hidden away. Oh, yeah. It was all black people's fault, remember? Yeah. I so the reason why I remember these details is because I was just talking to as about it the other day. I don't know how it came up in conversation, but one of my homies brought it up. Was just like, "Did you play Resident Evil Five? What'd you think about it?" And it was like a two-hour conversation. It was very funny. It's because Resident Evil Four is looming. It's here. Resident Evil Four. Like I said, if you are black, Resident Evil Four's presence makes you think of Resident Evil Five looming in the shadows, and Resident Evil Five has big jade empire energy and i'm wondering whether they're even going to even attempt to cross that bridge i don't think they will to be very blunt but just the conversation with yoshi p just is just like it just kind of it's like you know what what does this look like what does the african survival horror game look like even in 2020 um i guess six or seven 
Like even though the so, Resident Evil folks are super, yeah. Um, the thing I also agree. I don't think it's going to happen. But but two things that come to mind is that when I forgot exactly who I think it was a producer that said at the time when those concerns were brought up, the producer at the time all those years back said, uh, well, if you feel that way, it is what it is. Also, a couple of years, I forget how many years following that, um, Capcom said that its American branch would help it um, with the uh, creative process regarding its uh, like Resident Evil titles. Um, after that, um, that... Aaron is laughing because we do not know about the Capcom's uh, employee dynamics exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure they probably have stats out there or whatever, but we we, we know why he's laughing. But anyway, um, the thing about Five, I think a lot about is from the time from then till now, it's that it's, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but it's... Yeah, easy. It's very easy to get labeled now because because of so many people, advocacy groups and what have you, to be labeled as anti-black um, if you provide more than enough, uh, I guess the word I want to use now is fodder for that. Because this is a game that back then, you know, a lot of black folks brought up the issue about it being anti-black and it's racism and you know people went after them what have you now if that was released as is now that of course wouldn't fly so the the other thing that i think about is that games are going to have their you know their their biases and what have you but the thing is even if you were to remove like the very visual uh, problematic element of a white man being in um, the African continent in a, um, I don't know if they named the country, I'm sorry, but no, like, that, you no, know. That, no, that shit's Africa, dog. Like, no value. They, yeah, it's Resident Evil in Africa. The city of Africa and the state of oh, Africa so they and didn't, the continent of Africa. Please continue. Oh, so they didn't even, oh, okay. See, on that, on Africa, on Africa Street and Africa yeah. Boulevard. Please continue. Yeah, okay, so okay, so Aaron just pointed to the fact of like how even further racist it was to the fact that it didn't even name the specific country, even though there's a lot of countries and regions within the giant continent that is Africa. Anywho, uh back to my point. Uh Dog, it's so bad. <laughs> it's um even if you remove the problematic element of a um of a white man there, and if you were to replace them with only black characters you still have this anti-black visual representation right of the fact that you have these black characters in a african country with the fact that a uh, i'm getting into territory i don't like because it's uncomfortable regarding media but I'll, i'll mention anyway where you have zombies depicted as black people which media has a very ugly history with and me particularly being Haitian, you know, like that's kind of part of the reason why voodoo is bastardized thanks to the West. Thank you. And that's kind of spread. Uh, it, in- it, listen, those, those, uh, those fucking, um, dime novels, uh, and like old school Hollywood, 
uh totally going all in with the zombie shit like it's so bad yeah it's that's like that's several 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 decades worth of yeah bullshit yeah no you're absolutely right it's bad so you you so again i'm just going off the fact that if if they were trying to do their best where if it still remained the same or if they interjected black uh, protagonists and said so you have black people going over to you you have black people going over to uh you know an african country where the very visual threat is other black people or viruses and it's at that point it would still be highly 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 uncomfortable even if they like changed the fact uh even if they kept the villains the same it would still be you're fighting the white eugenist right um and what bacon just mentioned earlier apparently is a black people's fault that that virus like happened where in in the real world you know think that's not how things work with history that's that that's not like when 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 people are subjugated to diseases and stuff like that, it, it it's not because they brought that upon themselves. That came from somewhere where they oh, weren't prepared oh yeah. and you it, know it it basic basically like the 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 people of the past, like their ancestors on this mysterious Africa, um had like hidden it away and then the white people came to use it as a weapon. My you know, my, I, my writer brain is trying to because there is a way you can tell this resident evil story where you're trying to where you're one first of all you're not just setting black people on fire as cannon fodder but there is a threat to black people that you actively do not want to take advantage of like the black people are at risk and you're trying you're you're trying not to harm black people as cannon fodder and then like it becomes the initial wave that there is a problem and then you're actively trying to avoid this outcome and it becomes and but you have to change like i said the game has to be fundamentally different from the core narrative from the beginning fortunately there's already an existing story resident evil 8 and all these resident evils are kind of have built rebuilt the narrative to create a narrative where we could be in africa as black people who don't necessarily want to harm black people and the enemy can be the white man they don't have the range. We'd have to handle it. Us. Us. Like, mm. like I said, we're talking about Cap Capcom's too. American office, and now all I can think of is Forspoken. Who's working here? Like you said, <laughs> right? Right. So it's like, those people handled Negroes as best as they thought they could. Square is probably shocked when they hold all the, all the blowback. They were like, that's crazy. We got Americans to handle black folks. There's some black people who work in this building, right? Just rolling it again with skyscrapers. The other thing that works against Resident Evil 5 as well is the fact that that is the only, someone's going to have to correct me, that is the only numbered title that features a black character. Is that right? Is that still correct? Uh, Kind that of. Uh, so all of the characters in the previous Resident Evil games all show up in six. But six is a disjointed piece of mess. Yeah, no, six is trying to do like the Avengers Endgame Infinity War thing and very, very, very badly. So I don't think it's there are any. There so are no weird. there are no black people there though. That doesn't make sense. But yes, other than that, there there are no black people, but it's the same character, Sheva. Yeah. Sheva doesn't Sheva doesn't pop up in Sheva doesn't pop up in Resident Evil Six. 
She don't pop. No, they they put all the pairs. No, no, no. Jill's out. No, Resident Evil Six has its own problem, where the only um returning non male character is treacherous a treacherous Asian Ada Wong and former child Sherry Birkin. Jill out. Oh, you're right. Sheva out. Rebecca Chambers out. Everyone who killed people, um, who killed zombies with you, out. Resident Evil Six is trash. I'm not even gonna get into that. None of those people made the cut. Please continue. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I really. The other thing about that game too is like it's literally a poster child of the anti-blackness in game. Like for real, for real. Like games. Like 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 it. Nah, dog. Like if I see if I see that announcement, if I see that trailer, you will literally see me quote tweet the trailer on Twitter and just in all caps laugh. Like, are you serious? I don't think I don't think they you want know? these I don't think they want these problems. No, like, like I, now I think they'd be at the point where they even that even though I have my problems with the NAACP, they probably be on their ass too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, I don't. Mm-hmm. Speaking of forespoken, I I think we mentioned in Discord. Like I put it down after I saw that tweet of the performance uh patch because I I'd rather just wait for that. And in in the time being, I'm playing a Wulong, which has a very 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 I'm saying very a lot great character creator it is very robust if you are of all skin tones of all shades you will look good in this game you will sit there you'll be like can i make myself yes you can (laughs) yes you can i'm so excited to not play that game it's there are too many fucking games leave me alone stop it i don't want any more i don't want any it's like it's like it's like it's like mosquitoes, yes, but just make a character, and uh, then there no, you go. No, I can't make a character because I don't play the game. You don't need to. You don't need to play the game. Make a character. Just make a character. That, Aaron, that is not how my brain works. All right, then play the game. There you go. Solve problem solved. Anywho, what no, say? I can't play the game. I have other games I have to play. Octopath <laughs> is sitting sealed on my desk, waiting for me to play ain't and no. stream, but homework, <laughs> and I need my Octopath. There ain't no niggas in that shit. Even though I think you're the only black person in Wolong if you make a black person. But still, what I what, still, my previous statement stands limply. My one leg wobbly. Stands. Wobbly. <laughs> my current statement stands. It's my favorite character creator, I think. Ever. Yeah. Ever. It it yes, it's better. It's better than the one in Neo 2 because um the thing I noticed immediately. Is that um, the rendering for darker skin tones? It, it it's not like where your character is in the dark. It, the problem with Neo Two was in a lot of dark spaces, your character, if they were the darkest skin tone, they kind of blended in because they couldn't, they didn't have the technology to render what darker skin folks look like in, in dark, you know, in dark areas. Because even if you're in a dark area, obviously you could still see someone's Aaron's complexion or darker. Cause obviously that's how like light reflects off, off the skin. Right. Neo two kind of had that problem. The thing with this, I've noticed is that when you're in a dark area and your character standing in front of like the flagpole, for example, because the flagpole that you, that's where, you know, you can rest up and level up and yada, yada. 
it glows, right? So when you take the camera mode and you zoom in into your darker skin character, like you can see the light is like shining off of them like it should versus where they look oversaturated. That was kind of the problem with Neo too. Mm-hmm. Um with darker skin tones, but like they course corrected for this. So whether it's like you're in the darkest of night, midday, or in the morning, like you're you're the darker skin tones look look really good. Like like they actually put money into that, right? And I've also noticed it's like they put the budget into that they've also i'll say like production values as well it's like when you're fighting enemies i notice it's like certain things like the rendering is a lot better mm-hmm. i was like oh damn they put money into that you know but like the hair rendering for example like from like 3a to the kinkiest hairstyles like they look good you know like you can zoom in into it and you can see like okay they actually it doesn't it doesn't do that thing like Monster Hunter World did that Bacon mentioned that one time where it's like, yeah, this is a hairstyle, but clearly this is rendered where it's like straight hair, <laughs> but you all kind of just bundled it. Like, they don't do that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, when you zoom in, it's like, you like you can see it. You know, it looks like, oh, you you went to a braider. I see you. <laughs> it's like shit. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bacon. The character creator is really great. It's really good. Yeah, I, I really, it really is something that I specifically, you as someone who has trouble, because you always mention that either you are white or like strawberry shortcake when you try to make yourself in games yourself. So. Yes, the, the, what? Uh, light skin <laughs> problems. Boo-hoo. Um, yeah, no, you can't make light skin people in games. Yeah, and you can't make dark skin people. I'm chocolate and I'm yeah, chocolate it's, Jeffrey's it's, mug. It's like you you can make like the medium brown black people, right. but you cannot make light skin people and you cannot make like dark skin people. Like that mid range, you can make all you you can make that in game, but you can't if you try to make a light skin character, they're basic they're they're just white people. And if you're trying to make a dark skin character, either it's like well, with both, it's it could be a mud tone, mm-hmm. um, or like you just can't see your character. You can't see shit. It just it doesn't look like a black person. Yeah, what I've noticed with um t- uh, Koei Tecmo's other game, Wild Hearts, that's the um, it's weird to call that a Monster Hunter competitor. It plays a lot like Monster Hunter. That game also has presets where I've noticed that their presets are. I I think they're really good for um um lighter skin um black folks because I've noticed like when you when you select them I was like oh okay this looks like one of my neighbors this is like somebody seen at the store this is actually pretty good the thing I noticed about that game is that it doesn't do dark skin characters as well as Wulong but that kind of makes sense because one is a game where I imagine the budget went to different places you know um. Versus the other, so I that kind of makes sense, but it's kind of disappointing, you know. It's kind of like the character is kind of in the darker mid tones, what have you. But the lighter, the lighter skin black folks presets in the Wall Hearts is pretty good, I think. And Wulong, um, I think also does a really good job for folks who are of like bacon's skin tone for sure. Like you don't look like a white person, 
But you, I just you know. like I'm like I just want to make me, but I want to not look white. Right. Like no, the, that's real. The, yeah. the the best I've gotten is like like racially ambiguous, but it looks racially ambiguous to me, not to like another person. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, cause mm-hmm. you know, like there's a black people can tell when another black like a light skinned black person is black. Like we can tell. Like. As a black person, it'd be like, I have no idea what the fuck they are. <laughs> I don't know what my character is. My yeah. character is clearly a very mixed race baby between like somebody and somebody. <laughs> no, that's real. Yeah, it, it 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 it's funny how Koei Tecmo, and it's well, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's funny, Koei Temo, a Japanese game developer, released two games, Wall Hearts and Wulong, where you can make people of a whole bunch of identities, black included, look good. You know, it's funny how that works, where other companies are just like, well, I know Final Fantasy 16 doesn't have a character created, but you know what I mean. It's just like, Wulong is a game that takes place in ancient China, but you can make a character that's black do you know because it's like why not do you know who wasn't in ancient china who wasn't in ancient china (laughs) it's like Mm. the one place (laughs) you know yeah and that kind of goes back to the point it's like actually they were but like not not in any great way no yeah i'm i'm sure but you know this goes back to the conversation like come on like for real like look at what other people are doing you sound ridiculous those comments are still ridiculous. Those comments are ridiculous. Speaking of black people in games, <laughs> um, they recently, uh, Wargroove 2 recently released a trailer. And when you watch it, you'll, you'll see in here, I'm assuming, is a black pirate. Uh, I'd say that. But that character definitely looks like our auntie who flies the seven seas and robs some colonizers. And I'm for it. I hope very much that whenever that game launches, they eventually show us the cast, because the voicing cast, because last time with Wargroove 1, the DLC, I specifically remember the developer getting kind of in hot water when people were like, so you have these brown characters, right? But we've noticed all the people who've been attached to them are most definitely not. What's going on with that? And I remember they were kind of called out by like some some orgs and like the defense was, oh, well, we did quote unquote blind casting for these characters. And yeah, the people we hired just happened to be white. Back then, I was pretty, I was pretty blah, right? Uh, hopefully this time they course correct because I, as a Haitian person, I'm obligated to check out a game with black pirates because I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but that 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 appeals to my senses. If you catch my drift, ain't nothing wrong with that. I mean, you from you from where I'm you not Haitian. I'm I'm not I'm not Haitian, and that's also my thing. So like, <laughs> like hey, like if you need to use me as an excuse, I'm here. There are there are black. I want I want to know too. There are certain black ocu- There are certain black people in certain occupations that we want to see. 
in we want to see in our in a in a game we do. You want to see black pirates? Who I want to see? I I want to I want to rob I want to rob colonizers and um get that high yeah. <laughs> Let's rob some colonizers. I mean that's oh, just me. Man. Like I don't know about you, but like I'm I'm here to I'm I'm here for some colonizer robbing. Right. Yeah. Um, the who am I forgetting? I don't think I'm forgetting. Anything. No, I think I think we're here. We got, we got like, War we Groove. We got Wolong. We got Yoshi. You did want to talk about the Creed Cinematic Universe oh, from noted dork Michael right, B. Jordan. Right, right. So, um, Creed three uh, uh came out. Um, it's a good movie. Um, I would recommend seeing it. Uh, as someone who's seen all, all three in theaters, because I thought about that, I, I completely forgot. I've seen all three in theaters. Um, it's good. It's Michael B. Jordan's directing. Is it his directing debut? I don't know. He's credited, so it, it is. His, I, it is I, his I directing. It's his first time. Yeah, it's his first movie he's directed. Oh, okay, good for him. Yeah, it's a solid movie. Part uh, Creed Two is definitely the weakest among the the, the three. Um, but anywho, following the success of Creed Three, you know it was announced that um, he is looking to expand um, the universe. So that means um, possibly an anime. We may see an anime, which is in the shocker because this man has said so many times he's inspired by the medium of anime and all these shows. Uh, may also mean like a live action. Uh, creed a show which would star his his daughter um that would be cool um because she's canonically deaf and um yeah that would be dope to see um and i don't know what other stuff for creed um that would be out but as far as movie goes so i was thinking back like you ever like thought to yourself like why did i watch this thing i went back literally every time (laughs) i I went back and I watched the trailer and I forgot like this movie came out in like 2015, 2016. I think it was 2015. So I watched the trailer. And I'm like, why did I why, why did I go to the theater to see this? Because it was a well shot trailer. And it's funny because like you're watching trailers, well shot, it's him or whatever. And it doesn't introduce Rocky Babo until like halfway into the trailer. Then you're like, oh shit, Rocky's in this. Right. And then it ends where like He's talking to Rocky, and Rocky's like, your worst enemy is the guy you're looking at in the mirror. And he's looking at himself. And then it ends with him saying the lines. He's like, uh, now, now show me something. And I was like, ooh, that gave me chills. I remember like, yeah, that was dope. And it was a good movie. Um, you know, so I was just thinking about that. But, you know, that that's a movie with a whole bunch of black people. And when you see Creed 3, it like, um, I'm not going to ruin anything, but like when you watch scenes, there's like so many like, little black cultural references where wherever you look that just sprinkled in there as well as like Latin American um references as well um regarding the sport of boxing. So yeah, that's one. I think that's interesting. Um if Michael B. Jordan makes something out of that, um I think the most interesting thing to me would be what anime production studio would work with him to get an anime and who exactly would it be about wouldn't it, um, i imagine it would be that group that um did the yasuke anime for netflix probably yeah 
probably. I mean, you know, um, but, but. They did a good job. Like, story aside, yeah, it did look visually good. Oh, yeah, yeah. they did a great job. Um, just... Yeah. I, 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 I definitely. Shout to I mean I'm um, I'm so I'm so confused I'm like I don't know why I'm so, given how strongly Sylvester Stallone feels about the Rocky franchise I'm really mm-hmm. I'm I really am kind of like I'm just I look at this I'm like did he really just let this nigga take it and run off with it like is this his now and I'm I'm not complaining um, in any way but I'm fascinated by that like I don't like I'm just that's really impressive that it's it's interesting to me. That Rocky, because Vessel Stallone loves the shit out of the Rocky movies. And just, right. he's obsesses over them. And so, I'm like, so Michael B. Jordan is handling mm-hmm. this? Like, is it, is it now Kree? Has Rocky now become Creed over time? And this is, and it's like, okay, I'm, I have questions, but you know. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where, like, creatively, you'll see, he, he you know, he was very much a part of, um, part one but you know a lot of that was still ryan kruger doing a really great job with directing part two was kind of meant but sylvester sloan was more involved with that so you could probably credit that not doing so well because of him and in part three he's not really in it like that's what i he's credited with being executive producer yeah that's what i mean the fact that he's just letting niggas just handle this i i just never i i can tell you right now it's very rare you see a white person who's responsible who feels so strongly about a piece of art that connects to them that frames them and to let black people essentially just drive the car like I had, like I haven't heard anything from Sylvester Stallone one way or the other. The silent white people are never silent one way or another, and that's what fascinates me. Is like, I mean, this is uh, we may never hear anything, and that that is so that silence is so loud to me that I'm like, this white man ain't saying nothing. Like this is about to become. I like, love what? What'd you say? I love it so much that Creed is now run by niggas, and Sylvester Stallone's just like yes. My legacy continues. I don't care if it's by niggas. Let's go. Right. That type of pragmatism. He's getting is, all these. He's getting all these niggas money. Right. Let's right. Go. That type of pragmatism is usually undercut by outright racism. Usually that type of pragmatism. We never see white people always shoot themselves in the foot to be a little racist. So to not see it is almost confusing. <laughs> it. It, it it could just be, you know, um, he just realized, you know, this is very much something that Mike uh, has a good handle on. And, you know, he just stepped back because I remember uh, one of the reasons that he wasn't so jazzed with three was the storyline regarding the antagonist being driven by a lot of resentment and anger. And he just wasn't vibing with that as a story plot and he like he just stepped away but then obviously that turned out great because the movie performed really well i was like really attentive i was like yo this is dope when i was in the theaters watching it and, you know people clapped at like at the parts they were supposed to clap at you know what i mean <laughs> right um, well, I also, yeah. I also oh. feel like you know folks like being motivated by anger is a very relatable thing yeah like it's it's very relatable. Yeah. Well, it's very very relatable. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Um, oh wait, there was one more thing I was going to mention right. before I forget. Hold on, wait, 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 uh, wait. Uh, Okay, all right, all right, okay, uh, all right, okay. 
I had the report right here. There was. This was towards the end of last month in February, where NBC. NBC News ran a report regarding like what happened with diversity roles um three years after um you know what happened in 2020 so one of the interesting things about this is like you know given the job cuts that have happened across so many different um companies and what have you unfortunately that includes like people in um dei roles right and what's happened is that those have gotten like cut as well unfortunately because the thing was like like this report notes is like those roles increased by 55 percent in 2020 and towards you know the end of last year just kind of dwindled so one of the 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 things that i thought was really interesting was that the support notes that I'm going to just read this paragraph. Another survey showed that black employees represent only 3.8% of chief diversity officers overall with white people making up um 76.1% of the roles. Those of Hispanic and Latino ethnicity make up 7.8% and those of uh, Asian ethnicity make up 7.7% of um, chief diversity roles. So that, that is not really interesting. I'm not interested. I'm so sorry. Not uh surprising is the word I meant to say. <laughs> you were saying bacon. I'm sorry. I did How not I, mean to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. However, you know, we, we, we're going through a, quote, recession. So we need to lay off all of these, quote, unnecessary roles, which just happen to be, you know, all of the diversity hires that we were doing for posturing that were right. barely a drop in the bucket on things but you know hey let's get rid of like the little that we had mm -hmm. even though these are also actually very necessary roles across the board yeah no let's just you know let's you know let's uh let's uh um you know ma have manufactured wages uh try to try to let's try to purposely stagnate wages and get rid of all the colored people we hired Let's you know, go. yeah, I bacon just took the words right out of my mouth. That that's literally what I was gonna mention. So the thing is, is that given those stats and based off that report, is like, you know, people of color are often the ones who are on the chopping block, just based out of like you know just statistics, right? Like most of us are just gone. So what that means is that. Uh, most D, uh, most people in um chief DI roles are are not of couleur, and so that's fun, you know, because yeah, we. So I just wanted to bring that up to my people. So whenever you see your company, um. Or any company you may be interested in talking about, you know, DEI. Just, just take a look to see who your DEI um, chief is. Just take a look at that. And um, just check your, your you know, what your, um, your hiring has looked like since you yourself have started working for that company. What it looked like last year, what have you. Just out of sheer curiosity. 
just um to see how much things are changing that's the only reason i bring that up so yeah and also and also i'm gonna be i'm gonna be for real this is gonna be my last point it's like i always occasionally think maybe i might go back to school to like learn or get a degree to eventually become like a chief di person but the thing but then reports like this just remind me do you really want to do that where one you're likely to get axed when job cuts happen and that's the reality i'm very aware of and two do i really want to put myself in a position where i know as a response i would laugh at people if i made a very great effort to diverse or try to diverse our workforce by race gender ethnicity only for that to be shot down I follow people who've been in those roles, who've talked honestly about that. And I know me, I'll laugh at people's face as a response. And that'll probably get me fired. So it is what it is. Yeah. We in here. Mm-hmm. Education podcast day. That's right. No, this is great because I was super low energy. Thank you for coming for the 100th episode. That's right. We're going to have you. Me. We're going to have you back on. Um, they announced the RoboCop game. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what? They announced the RoboCop game today. They dropped a proper oh, gameplay no. trailer of the RoboCop game. Everyone oh. he shot was white. Like I said, this is going to be interesting. RoboCop in 2023. Um, Dog. <laughs> Now that's a property. Woo-wee. <laughs> so we got to have you back on. But right now, I know everyone's got hard stops all over the place. So we're going to say thank you, Jeffrey, for uh, coming on our program. Uh, greatly appreciated for uh, celebrating 100 episodes uh, with us. 100 episodes. 100! Yeah. It's still weird to me. <laughs> it's been three years. But, um, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> But uh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And um, yeah, I think that's it. We'll be back uh, next week with episode 101. Ah! Here. All right. So thank you guys for listening and uh, have a pleasant day.